Welcome to another episode of This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I'm Rebecca Simmons, an associate professor of the practice in mechanical engineering and materials science at Duke University. I'm joined with Sydney, Fran, and Grant, undergraduate engineering students also at Duke University. In this episode, we're joined by a very special guest, Dean Ravi. Dean Ravi has been the Dean of the Pratt School of Engineering since 2016. And we're sad, but happy for him that he will be moving to Emory University early this summer and will be their provost. When I think of Dean Ravi, I think of his commitment, support, and love of Duke, of engineering, of design, and especially students. I've often seen him offering insightful and very helpful words of wisdom, supporting, and advocating for all of our students. And my favorite expression that he uses is outrageous ambition. Please join us to hear more from Dean Ravi. Hey everybody, today we're going to be speaking with Dean Ravi of the Pratt School of Engineering. Dean Ravi has been with us for about five years now and is soon going to be transitioning to a new role as Provost and EVP at Emory University. Before he heads out, we wanted to speak to him today and get some advice, some feedback, some tips, and learn a lot about who he is as a person and what he's done for Pratt. Without further ado, here's Dean Ravi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to This Engineering Life. My name is Fran Romano, and I'm here with Sydney and Grant, and we are talking to Dean Ravi. We're going to do a bit of an in-depth segment on his time here at Duke. So welcome to the show, Dean Ravi. Thank you so much, Fran. Thank you, Sydney and Grant. Uh, my pleasure to be here. Great. Yeah. So the first things we kind of want to talk about were student life and your perspective on that. And in me thinking about student life, the biggest factor that determines what you do is time and that time constraint because there are so many things to do. So I'd like to hear your perspective on how students can maximize their time given all the opportunities offered by Duke. No, I think you're right. In general, in life, I actually am the personal belief that time is our most profound and precious gift because there's a finite amount. We always assume that there's an infinite amount, whether it's your Duke experience or in life. This is an important question to start with. I think the main way I would love for our students to think about this is you want to be successful and happy, whatever that means to you in the long run in life. So I would say make a projection as weird as it is for 15 years out or something like this. And then say, who do I want to be? Where do I want to be in life? And knowing it's all uncertain, we don't know precisely what the answer will be. And then take in that context, the Duke experience. And part of the Duke experience is to become a certain kind of person with certain kinds of skill sets that are valuable in the world. And I would ask that you define those skill sets broadly into multiple buckets. One set of skill sets are, how good of an engineer will employers want me for what skills? The other set is, what kind of person relationships do I want to have? How do I navigate the skills part of things? Not just from a professional development perspective, but with this optimization that ultimately I want to be successful and happy in life. And the answer to that may lie in different things. Some of you, it may be, I want to get an in-depth research experience and intellectually be stimulated that way. Some of you may be, I want to take a ballroom dancing class or a music class and be a part of a group that really builds community in a certain way that has nothing to do with calculus. 
So whatever the answer is, I suggest that you think of the four-year experience in the context of a longer optimal and not just the four years. And that will inform, I think, better the best way to use your time at Duke and all of the resources. I do not want our students to say, Duke has so much to offer. I'm going to squeeze all that I can out of it. And then I'll live my life after. It doesn't work that way because the time is precious. And this is the underlying principle in your question. I would ask that you think of your time here as precious also, but not just in the way of getting out of Duke, whatever you can get out in their technical skill set type of domain or sort of transactionally making network because you don't know who's going to be who in the future. No, I think you want to have the habit of being a happy person and the habit of having a learning mindset, the habit of wanting to grow to be the person you want to grow. And that's what you really want to work on. How do I have those habits and how do I build those habits? Because those are the ones that will carry me all the way. Yeah, I really love everything that you said. I think it's super important to remember that we are people first, you know, like before we're students, before we're employees or anything, we really got to take care of ourselves and push ourselves to be a little bit uncomfortable. I think for me, you had mentioned the idea of uncertainty and how that's okay. And I was just like, even now, honestly, both freshman year and now I have this weird relationship with uncertainty where it's just like, I want to have control and I want to know what I'm going to do and how to prep for it. But I can't exactly do that. And you had mentioned the idea of taking a class that wasn't STEM related. And last semester, I took a dance class, which is so embarrassing because I just do not do it like the way I should. But it's so fun because no one in the class is really good at it. It's a very unique style that is not really common, like a typical, I would say, more well-known dance form. So we all bond over that. And I think that whole idea of pushing yourself to get out of your comfort zone, think differently and have fun, because this dance class doesn't count for anything for my major at all. But it has given me something to look forward to, especially during COVID, since it's my only in-person class. And I think that's also super great. So going off of that, do you think there's any other advice on how to wrap your head around this uncertainty if, say, as a Pratt student, your first couple of years are mostly just science, math, physics, chem? How can you start to see what you're interested in if it feels like in engineering, you're not really going to do any hands-on stuff until maybe senior year? Actually, I talked to a lot of students and I noticed a pattern. Like you said, uncertainty is a stressor, right? We don't know what internship, we don't know what jobs we will get, we don't know, you know, we don't know many things and all of our life seems ahead of us and we just like to know, you know, it's comforting to know that you will have an internship, that you will have a job and, you know, you will have friends that will last all your life. So I suggest a certain framework. I, I am an engineer, but I believe there's a sort of Bayesian probabilistic nature to life. And so certainty in a probabilistic world is tough because it's probabilistic, right? And so I personally think of a different frame that makes it, makes it work for me. I don't know if it works for you. And the frame is the following. If I say, I tell myself, I would like to be hungry to learn and grow as much as I possibly can in everything. But I'm saying that if you ask yourself, this is what I really want to do, and you have certainty about this, and then how that manifests in your given setting is different. When you want to learn and grow, in many ways, I'll tell you, it doesn't matter what you learn and grow. It really doesn't. I mean, you, yes, you can be this kind of engineer or that kind of engineer. You may have research experience or internship. At the end of the day, you need context to grow, 
but you don't need to sweat about which particular thing you use as context to grow. So that is a chance thing. You may hear a lecture and you're inspired by it, or you run into someone, you're inspired by it. You have the brother or sister of a dorm mate and they tell you something. There's a sort of probabilistic nature to the specifics of how our lives turns out. But the way you have control, I think, is not at that specific level. Whether you work for Google, Facebook, or Lockheed, or Tesla, that's specific. That has a probabilistic element to it. But what kind of employee you will be and how successful you'll be is not dependent on those specifics. It's dependent on this one meta level, which is, I am hungry to learn and to be a good teammate. I'm hungry to bring others along. I'm hungry to try to be the best person I can be every day, even if I struggle and lapse and do things that I'm not proud of. That certainty you can have. And that is comforting to have certainty in that and not in the specifics. The specifics, when that frame interacts with time and the world you live in, the probability function will collapse, you know, in some way that's probabilistic and very easy. But doesn't matter how it collapses. It's just a probability thing. But this meta level, you can have certainty, I believe. I thought it was super interesting how you really emphasize the idea about being hungry to learn and grow. And I think that's a super important thing, no matter what experience you have. I actually have taken some time off from school at Duke and have pursued some other internship experiences. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned is that the specifics of what I'm doing are relatively unimportant. And it's simply the more interpersonal skills maybe and learning about myself and what I enjoy and how to work with other people and how to continue to learn even in a non-school environment. And just seeing that different perspective is really cool. I also thought it was interesting. You talked about making a list of goals and maybe broader goals, like being a good person or developing something to help others. We want to sort of transition to this next part here and talk about some of your goals, specifically some of the goals that you've had for the future of Pratt. And I'll go ahead and let Sydney ask a quick question to you about this. Yeah. So um, we had heard about the Pratt 2039 initiative, um, which to our understanding is like a 20-year plan of how to make Pratt the best it can be. Could you talk a little bit about this, your thoughts on areas of growth um, and places that you just see the future of Pratt growing? Thank you. You know, uh, maybe my engineering training, when I was doing math a lot, I always found it useful, or in physics, for example, to know the units of the answer. So if I know the unit is meters per second, it helps me get to the, get to the answer better uh, because there's many paths to get there. And I always like to know vaguely with some flexibility, what are we trying to do? The same thing with the curriculum we can talk about later. So I'd like to have some sense of who we want to be, what do we want to be good at, what do we want to be known for, what kind of place do we want to tell others we are, right? Some notion of this, and it should be aspirational. It should be, you know, out there. And then if I have some sense of that, I can then see, well, where am I now with respect to that? And how do I chart my path there? Knowing there may be multiple paths to chart there, but knowing the destination it's like if I'm going on this road and there's an accident and there's a congestion, I can get off, but I still know where I'm going, you know? And so that's the point of 2039, to set a goal far enough off. And coincidentally or intentionally, it is the 100th year of our school. 2039 was picked because it would be our centennial. And I wanted to set a goal that is far enough that we wouldn't be saying we need more parking next to this building, which is important, 
So that was the point of that exercise. And the other thing was I wanted faculty and staff to be involved and students too, because I know they met with students in shaping that goal, you know, in some aspirational way. So it is not a strategic planning exercise, but it is a visioning exercise in some certain ways. And that was the idea behind it. And then the idea of phase two would be to go into implementing and working towards them. So they broke the things down into the two to five year plan and then the longer term plan. And it has, you know, the kind of diversity inclusion elements and research and education. So it articulates certain aspirational goals that are important. And I think it's a good way of thinking about things because it sets our goals. Like I said, in life, optimized for 15 years later, this is the same thing in certain ways for the institution as a whole. What would I like Pratt to be? In some ways, it's not as important. I'll tell you actually what I like Pratt to be. I'd like Pratt to have a certain mindset. If, if there's any one thing that would please me the most, it is not the specifics going to what I think Grant just said about his experience. It is not whether we become the place for quantum computing, although we've placed that bet, you know. It is having a mindset that we won't do lots of things because we're a small school, but whatever it is that we do, we will do it our way and we will do it the best way possible. And this is true for the undergraduate curriculum. It is true for what it means to be an ECE major, an ME major, or BME major, or civil major here. It will be true for the kind of faculty we recruit. It'll be true for our staff. So the idea is that mindset of being hungry to be the best we can be, knowing we will never really attain it, that's what I would like to be true at Pratt. In general, at Duke, you can judge how prevalent that mindset is. But I think in Pratt, I would love to have that mindset. And what that means is going to be different. You'll have a different dean come July or August, and you'll have a different leadership. You'll have different students. The people having this conversation are going to be different. But the mindset, I would like it to be a constant because that's what I would really like for Pratt to be. I love hearing that. And at first, I feel like I spent, at first, as in the beginning of my Duke experience, I spent time thinking like Duke isn't the most prominent engineering school. Duke isn't known for engineering. And from what I'm hearing, it's like, nor do we want it to be. There's no reason it should be at the top charts of those engineering things. And the more important thing is the mindset. So I'm curious, like concrete ways where you build this mindset and to know you're going in the right direction. So two things about the ranking thing, since you mentioned it. I made a plot of engineering school rankings and the size of the school. It's a linear plot. So the number of faculty is the most dominant factor. There are exceptions, like Carnegie Mellon and Caltech are exceptions in the one direction, and there are exceptions in others. But there's a very high correlation between just size. So that tells you something. If you look at per faculty productivity, we are eighth or ninth in the country. So the reason we're not ranked eighth or ninth as an engineering school is because we're small. And I don't want to be a ginormous school. That's not our model, just as we don't want. We have 50,000 applications this year, I'm told. We could easily double the size of the undergrads, but your experience will be fundamentally different if we double the size of them. The same thing holds in faculty and community, us getting to know each other, people loving the place, not looking to leave. So there's many things that come with the size that we are. So the rankings, I'm not worried about rankings saying something about our quality because that's driven by size dominantly. And like an engineer, you can do the analysis and you can test me if you want on this. And I have the plot I'm happy to share with you. So your, your question about how do we do this? How do we instill this mindset? I think it needs to live everywhere. And it's not just the dean saying this or the department chair or the DUS or the advisors. 
it's a hard thing. I think culture change, and this will require some change because we don't already have the mindset, will take time. And it's probably the hardest thing to do. A program, as hard as it is, getting a building built, as hard as that is, is finite, tangible things. The mindset thing needs sustained institutional leadership and conversation to make that happen. I'm optimistic that we will attract a fantastic dean in the next iteration. It's a very attractive position nationally. Our provost is amazing, Sally Cornblis. She picks people who are of this mindset. So I'm optimistic about the future. So the only way I can think of is you need a sustained effort to be of this mindset, and then it lives. It's not a two-year project. That's awesome, Dean Ravi. I feel like all of us, I believe, have been the leaders of different organizations on campus. And I think that's a pretty universal part of leadership is being the person to mold that mindset of whatever organization you're a part of. And it's not an easy thing to do. And so props to you for all you've accomplished. And I actually want to give you a chance to reflect on a lot that you've accomplished. I know you've been instrumental in creating a new first year design curriculum, of course, the new Wilkinson building. I hear faculty research has gone up a lot since you were here. Obviously, you've dealt with the COVID response and community engagement and a lot of diversity and inclusion initiatives. There's a ton of things you've accomplished. I just want to give you a second to just chat about maybe what you're most proud of and also sort of the biggest things that you've learned through trying to accomplish all of these many different things. No, thank you. That's very kind of you. Obviously, we have an amazing number of people who should get credit for all the things you mentioned. And because I'm the face of Pratt, I get a lot of perhaps due, perhaps undue credit for all of those things you mentioned. No, I think I do look back with some pride over the last five years. I think the things that you mentioned, if you say those got done over a 10-year period, it would still be a good list. You know, So we did do a lot. And that took a lot of people, a lot of support, alums, uh, financial support. My feeling is that the big challenge was, from a leadership perspective, personally, you know, you're always advised to pick one or two things and get those things done. And I felt like right from the beginning that there were some intertwined things to get to the mindset that undergrad curriculum, research, culture, diversity, they're like pieces of a music that together make orchestra, right? So I couldn't think of them as one or not the other. And it was a very risky thing to do because. Even our board at the beginning on my first meeting, I presented this plan. I had this nine-dimensional mind map. I use mind maps a lot. <laughs> it's, the world is divided into half, people who like mind maps and people who hate mind maps. I'm in the 150%. But anyway, so I made a mind map and I shared these nine dimensions of things. And I said, we need to make progress on all of them because they're interrelated. And I'm going to try. And the board, they tell me now, of course, that we're very skeptical. That's too much. You're going to take this on. But we got very lucky in recruiting certain people, a great team. I probably stressed them out a lot in the beginning <laughs> with all the things we were doing. But I'll tell you, I've been very fortunate. We couldn't be where we are without an unbelievable leadership team, faculty, staff. So I think what I'm most proud of is the breadth of what we took on and made changes that are real and tangible. Because there are many leaders, and you are all leaders necessarily, from what I've heard already. We'll talk a good game and have vision and can talk about things. The real crux of success is in the implementation of vision. And implementation of vision is not in an academic setting, some kind of command and control way. It is not done that way. It is done when people willingly are infused and buy into that vision and interpret it 
and act on their own in furthering it. And I think that happened at Pratt. So if you ask me, what am I most proud of? It is the fact that a large number of people bought into this way of thinking about, let's reimagine and flip the undergrad curriculum to introduce design the first semester. That is crazy. The let us rethink how advising is done. So next semester, advising will be, there'll be a wrinkle that you will like. Let's reimagine the role of purpose and ethics and character, right? That is a crazy thing for an engineer to be saying, right? We're not Trinity after all. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, so these kinds of things, I'm proud of that sufficient numbers of people bought in to act on them, to run with them, interpret them, and and we've put points on the board that really are tangible programs like Tide, like Clark Scholars. I mean, there's a whole set of things happening. Writing within 101 now, there are sections called What Now? I don't know if you know, for our first years that deal with the issue of purpose and meaning and success. What does that mean? In Writing 101. So we ran a pilot last year where about I think a quarter of the students took those sections and we'll scale them next fall. So the simple answer is I take most pride in working with a team that bought into this way of thinking and bought into it enough to give their time and their effort to make all these things real. Absolutely. That is so incredible. We are proud of you as well. So as much as you are proud of yourself and your team as students, we can say, you know, we were some of the kids who experienced this first year design. And I absolutely love that class. Actually, Dr. Simmons taught all of us. And so if we never had that class, we would have never even been on this podcast. So thank you for all the work that you have done. You have been an incredible leader, both just with what you have done, like on paper, but also just speaking with students and always being there to be a person, you know, not just someone who like does exactly what they're tasked, but always takes the extra mile to add that level of character and stuff like that. So we are so grateful to have had you as a Dean of Pratt, and we wish you the best of luck as you serve Emory University as our next Provost and Executive Vice President. So congratulations on that. Emory is so lucky to have you, um, and we really appreciate you speaking with us today. Thank you so much. The honor is mine, and your words mean a lot to me. And, you know, it sounds like that's what a dean is supposed to say, but I truly mean this. It means a lot to me because you guys are busy. You shouldn't know what a dean does, you know? It's, it, I should be <laughs> invisible. The fact that you notice itself is a big deal, and I'm deeply appreciative. I love Duke. You know, as weird as it to say that on my way going somewhere else, I truly love this place and will always do what's best for Duke in many ways any, in any role that I have. I'm a Duke parent. My son is a Duke student. He's a senior graduating this year. I have many ties to Duke uh, for a long time. So I wish you the best. And I'll also say to you and to all those who are listening, if you ever need me to help in any way, just drop me a note. I don't have to be here to be of help. My new email address is going to be ravi at emory.edu, similar to my ravi at duke.edu. So you can always reach me and I will always do my best to help in any way I can. Do not think that because I'm leaving or you're graduating, you cannot reach out. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dean. That was a super awesome combo with Dean Ravi. I don't think I was expecting to get that in depth about his philosophy as a dean and how important it was to him that Pratt not be the premier, like coolest undergraduate engineering place ever, but more so that Pratt be a community that fosters a learning and growth mindset. I found that really interesting. Yeah, I agree with you, Grant. After the conversation we all left, I just like sat back and I was like, 
he is so wise. Like everything he said was just so wise. And I honestly got chills from the interview because that philosophy of learning is what I think is most important. And we said this after we stopped recording, but I didn't realize the things that have impacted my engineering education the most have been the things that he did and found most important being the first year freshman engineering program and doing design work right off the bat and this idea of prioritizing learning like not even just engineering learning just like learning things i really like that mm -hmm. yeah we were all talking about how for us we all got to experience engineering 101 and that's something that alumni of Pratt haven't experienced and I've talked to a couple alumni about how they said they wish they would have had this class because it would have given them a more clear picture on what engineering is earlier on and I think another cool initiative that Dean Robbie helped to complete that I partook in was the Thrive class. We had an episode uh, about mental health a couple weeks back and I just loved that class like Fran had said, the whole idea of just learning and it didn't have to be super hardcore technical skills, but this class taught me about myself and like my mental health and I got so close with all my classmates and it was a pilot program and it went so well. So it's crazy, like you said, to just think that all the stuff that I have enjoyed the most at Duke so far came from one person, but I guess it kind of makes sense. He kind of led everything with the similar, I guess, values and goals. And of course, there are other people who had played a role in making these ideas come to life. But I think that it should be talked about more about how appreciative we are for like this new norm. I'm not super familiar with what that program is. The Thrive? Yeah, what is that? So that was a class that is taken for first semester freshman Pratt students. Basically, the purpose of it is how to find meaning within your first year and purpose in this first year at Duke and beyond. So it's pretty much showing you that it's okay to have a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety your first semester. There's a no homework class. The only thing that was required was to keep a gratitude journal every night. And it was once a week for an hour. And we did a lot of meditation things. We did activities in the wellness center, in the garden, talked about our Myers-Briggs personality test and all these things. And just really learning more about ourselves. There is no academic side to it as far as a curriculum we had to follow, but more so just speaking about what you're actually feeling and how to know that like, it's okay to not know how to navigate things. And it's learning more about yourself and about others is going to help you grow. I think it really applied when all of us were in Engineering 101 at the time. So, you know, learning how we work with others was really helpful when we had to go to our actual engineering class and work with our teammates. I also thought it was super cool how one of the things that Dean Ravi was proudest of was the people he worked with. And I think that Sydney classes like your Thrive class help to instill the sort of community unitedness around the ideas that it's okay to be yourself. You should explore different avenues. You should take that dance class. You should look out for others' well-beings. You should decide to learn. And I just look back to, I think we've all probably had this experience where we're really passionate about something. We're really into some project, but completing that project or spending time on that project means not studying for a test or means not completing a homework assignment. And I just think back 
I've definitely had times where I've had projects due for a class. And I think, Sydney, you actually had this experience where Dr. Simmons recommended to you that you continue working on your side project instead of studying for one of her exams. And I think that just that community of learning where you want to and where you need to learn is so cool. And knowing that Dean Ravi really played a huge hand in creating that, something that I think has a huge positive impact for all Pratt undergraduates is just really awesome to know and understand and be appreciative of. So huge props to Dean Ravi for both having other people on his team and getting other people on his team to be on that team of encouraging students to really learn and grow the way they want to. Yeah, and I also think it's important to acknowledge, I guess, how persistent he was to try to get this mindset to happen. You know, I, I know from talking to him other times, not everyone was receptive of the idea of, you know, having freshmen create a design project that would actually be used in the real world. Like, they have no engineering experience. Why would you think this is a good idea? Some people argue, but I think that as someone who participated in this class, I was just like, this is really great to see what engineering is like and not just be taking math, science, physics, your basic core requirements for the first couple of years of my degree experience. The one thing I did also like was at the beginning when we were talking about how to use your time and he was explaining it's a bigger thing than just your four years at Duke and to think bigger about what you want to do with your life. And the big thing jumping out at me as he was asking that was, what if you don't know what you want to do with your life? You know, how do you figure that out and choose your time at Duke? And Grant asked with that same question, essentially. And I like how he went into, it doesn't matter if you have that learning mindset. And if you just want to learn, you'll figure it out kind of thing. What a guy. I'm going to miss him. Yeah, he's the GOAT. I think as I got deeper into this conversation, I was like, dang, I was like, why do you have to leave now? <laughs> like I wanted you to stay for longer, but he's going to be so great at Emory. And I think it also is like how he was able to be such a great leader and Duke is only going to make him more attractive for them. So I'm, I'm sure that's definitely why like they wanted someone as great as him to, to take on this new role because he's really going to put the students first. And I think that's something that we really appreciate and maybe not acknowledge as often when it's happening. I think it goes without saying that the impacts of everything that he's implemented and changed in Pratt are going to be around for a long, long time. And that legacy is a really cool thing that I hope we can be proud of. And I thought it was also awesome. I'm not sure if we actually got this into the recording, but he mentioned that if anybody ever needs anything from him to reach out and just that friendly attitude and the fact that I'm sure he would respond to you is a really cool thing to have. And his email is ravi at emory.edu. I was just going to say that on behalf of the This Engineering Life crew, we're going to miss Dean Ravi a lot. We appreciate his time here and we wish him the best of luck at Emory and his future endeavors. Thank you, Dean Ravi. This Engineering Life is brought to you by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editor is Priya Juarez. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audionautics, and Kevin McLeod. Be sure to check back in two weeks when we chat with the Duke community about healthy eating. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Fran. I'm Sydney. And I'm Grant, and this has been This Engineering Life. See you again soon.